Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. I hired a professional photographer to come and teach me how to take pictures. And she was terrific. When she got here, she said, well, I took a look on the internet and found some pictures taken by blind people, and they're really horrible. And you might ask, why would a blind person want to take pictures anyway? Well, that's what we'll be talking about today. Why and how a blind person might want to take pictures. We'll speak with Judy Dixon about her recently published book entitled Capturing and Sharing the World, Taking Photos and Videos with an iPhone that describes how you can successfully take photos and videos even if you don't have any vision. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Judy Dixon. I think it's really important for blind people to learn how to take pictures. There are so many uses for photographs that are not necessarily the traditional idea of taking a physical picture and putting it away somewhere. We can use them to get information, to give information, and to to share and, and be a part of what everybody's doing. And your new book gives a comprehensive overview of all of that and how that camera can be used effectively by someone who can't see anything. And Judy gives lots and lots of tips throughout the book, and she will describe some of them to us in this episode. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by Sight, wearable electronic eyeglasses that support visual ability for people who are low vision or blind with visual acuity of 2600 or better. More information about the Sight family is online at acesight.com. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Judy and learning about her day job at the NLS, the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. So, Judy, you've been on our show a number of times, but perhaps you can reintroduce yourself to our listeners. I am Judy Dixon. I work at the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. I am the Consumer Relations Officer, which kind of means I do whatever they want me to do that day. It means you talk on shows like this. Well, yes, but today I'm not talking about library stuff. Uh, I always have a little trouble keeping my uh, personal life separate from my library life since I do so many of the same things. So instead of talking about the NLS today, we'll be talking about your new book on taking pictures for people who are blind. But you've written a myriad of books. Can you give us kind of a quick summary of some of the books you've written? This is the 15th book that I've written for National Braille Press. Wow. And most of them, not all of them, but most of them have had to do with the iPhone or a lot to do with the iPhone. And... This one is all about the iPhone. Other ones have been, uh, my favorite title was Go Where You Want to Go. That was about different GPS apps. Uh, the Abundant Bookshelf was about ebooks and all the different services and what kinds you can get and so forth. Oh, the writing book 
was amazing. I actually consult that myself often because it has so much information. It's kind of a reference book about writing with an iPhone or an iPad. And the most recent one we interviewed you about was about 30 cool things you can do with your iPhone. 31 cool things you can do with your iPhone. That was really fun. The most fun cool thing in that book is the metal detector. That oh, right. Because it really works. <laughs> I remember the mailbox story and finding the screw. Yes. Yes, yes. And, and, and it worked. Yeah. And you have another book coming out very soon, too. I do. I've just, these, this last two books are kind of updates of much older books. And, and they're really complete rewrites. They're not just, I didn't just update them. But the topics are kind of perennial. The latest one is identifying and labeling. And in 2008, that was my first book for National Brow Press was on labeling. And at that time, we really couldn't do much about identifying. We had to get somebody to tell us what it was so we could label it. And that has changed so much in 12 years. It's now possible to do your own identifying and then label it if you wish or identify it when you need to know. And you are the perfect person to be writing these books because not only are you kind of a techie, geeky type person who enjoys these things, but you are totally blind and actually use these products in I these do. ways. I do. And I am very much a geek. It's, <laughs> I take that as a compliment. <laughs> Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is how a blind person can use the camera on his or her iOS device. So as we mentioned in the introduction, Judy, you wrote your most recent book about photography, which is actually a rewrite of a book you did years ago. But since this technology changed so much, you figured it needed updating. But before we get into talking about the title and the layout of the book, let's just jump in and ask, why would a blind person want to use the camera on their phone and get into photography in any case? I actually discussed that very point in this book. And I say, why would a blind person want to use a camera and take pictures? For all the same reasons sighted people do. To share something with other people. I want to show you the new baby. I want to show you, look how big these tomatoes are that I grew. Uh, you know, whatever. To share information with people. To take vacation photos and come home and you know, look at my great vacation. But I think there's a more practical reason why a blind person might want to take pictures. And that is the great number of apps and services that involve you using the camera. If you use a service like Ira, you better be able to point your camera at the thing that you're actually asking them about and have some clue how to do that and how far away to be and all of those kinds of things. So now that you've motivated the book and told us why a blind person might want to use the camera on their phone, maybe now we can jump into telling us the title of the book and how it's laid out. The title of the book is Capturing and Sharing the World, Taking Photos and Videos with an iPhone. I think it's interesting that you focus on two aspects in that four-word title, capturing in terms of taking the photographs 
and then sharing because like you said earlier, a lot of what people do with photographs these days is not so much print them and put them in an album, but use them to transmit information. And so getting the photograph and getting it to somebody else who's going to make use of it. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what I imagine doing. I mean, what am I going to do with it? You know, <laughs> it's not of much good to me. I, I store them to share them, but I kind of take them for one reason or another to share photos. So walk us through the book. Tell us a little bit about the organization. Okay, so chapter one is photography basics. And this is all the things having to do with how to take a great picture. How far away do you need to be? How important it is to hold the phone stable and level. There's great tools for that these days because iOS will tell you if it's level, which is really handy. Then about light and shadow and glare and exposure and things. And then because of our modern cameras, the, ca the phone I was using for this book has three cameras, how to manage those three cameras and what do you have to do to get a different camera or get the best camera for whatever you're trying to do. If you're trying to do something that's very wide, you want a wide angle, how to do that. Can you give some examples of the kind of picture-taking advice you provide in the book? In the book, it's called Some Photo-Taking Scenarios. What I did was I took pictures, and I have a, a very good friend who's a pretty good photographer and, and a very good communicator. And so I took the photos, and then I sent them to him, and I described my thought process and how I set up the photo. So I took a photo of, of our cherry tree because it was April and, or March and I was wondering if it was blooming yet because I can never reach it. And I got another iPhone playing music and put it down behind the tree so I at least knew because I was getting pretty far away from it and I didn't want to not aim at it. And I picked the time of day when the sun would be shining from over my right shoulder. I figured that'd be pretty cool. So then I sent this picture to my friend and he tells all the reasons why what I did wrong which was great and then we used that photo later on in the book because iOS now has some very very powerful editing tools and you can straighten you can tell it to you know take out the junk and it moved wires away and I mean didn't actually change the photo but it but it knows how to emphasize things and not and not others and I was able to make it into a much better picture with the editing features. What I thought was really interesting about that beginning section of the book was how you described many of the things that people who are blind might not have thought about glare off smooth objects, uh, lighting, and in terms of making sure you're not creating a shadow on what you're taking or blocking something or getting your hand in the way. And I thought that was very interesting. And who would have thought that a jigsaw puzzle would reflect light? Right, right. I didn't, I would not have. Right, right. And it was also interesting the way you worked with your sighted friend. I take it that you set up a shared album, and when you we took did. these pictures, he could automatically see these things and provide you very specific feedback on the layout of the picture and the organization and the lighting, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it was really fun to do. And you know, after that, like, 
these pictures were so bad and you think you're a decent photographer, but it was more about critique. Mm -hmm. You know, I think back to our first foray into blind photography. So I'm fully sighted, but Pete's blind. And we went on our honeymoon in 1983, at which point all we had was a small camera with a roll of film in it. And partway through our honeymoon, we figured out that I wasn't in any of the pictures. So Pete's like, let me take one of you. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I lined him up and he was like miles away from me to make sure that whatever he did, I was at least going to be in the picture. I was this little teeny speck. It was bad news to cut her head off when we had just been married. But, you know, over the years, we've switched to digital and we've developed some other techniques that are much more satisfactory. Well, now you can tell your iPhone to wait 10 seconds before it takes the picture and you can run around and get in the picture yourself. We've done that. The other trick that we use a lot is we switch to using the camera on the other side, and I'm never sure which is front and rear, but whatever. We flip the camera around so that he can be holding the phone and I can be seeing what the camera is Uh, looking at. And then I just keep walking around until I'm in the image. And bits are cheap these days. In the old days, we had to do this with film and you thought about the cost of the film for every picture that you took. And of course, you didn't know how the picture came out until you got it developed weeks later. But these days, the feedback is instantaneous and you're just shuffling around some electrons on your phone or iOS device. So it doesn't cost you much to take an extra couple of pictures. You can easily delete them. And pretty much every picture Pete takes, he takes at least a dozen, you know, with minor variations, pointing, rotating, whatever. But then it's my job to sort through them and pick out the best one and keep that. (laughs) So in the book, You describe very specifically how you shared images you were taking with a sighted friend and you would get feedback so you can improve the picture and all. Now, I guess after you've become accustomed to using the camera, you're not as reliant on some sighted feedback that you've learned how to organize your picture, get the lighting right, etc.? That's true. Unless I just want to make sure it's right, which sometimes I do. Just it never hurts. But with practice, it becomes easier and more routine, I guess. Oh, yeah, it does. Yes. So in the next section of the book, you described how the apps on these iOS devices work. The camera app, and then and then the next one is the Photos app. But there is so much in the camera app. It is so complicated that all the different modes, slow-mo and pano, panorama, taking panoramas are really fun. But... Portrait. You know, they talk about taking portrait. What is that? Well, it's it's about lighting and emphasis and stuff. I, I mean, there's just some things I just don't do. Yeah. And again, a blind person, when you talk about those portrait modes that you described, a blind person wouldn't necessarily know this, that the main object or person you're taking a picture of is in nice focus, but what's in back of them might be in a soft focus and slightly out of focus. So the attention is mostly on what you're taking the picture of. That's hard for me to wrap my head around the whole concept of it's out of focus. You know, is it there or not there? I mean, you know, you're looking at it. Why isn't it just there? Right. If you've (laughs) never seen that effect. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't worry about that stuff. 
Well, I liken soft focus to a page of Braille that has been sat on or laid under a brick. You can certainly read the Braille, but it isn't quite as distinct as it was before it got pressed to death. So maybe that gives a blind person an idea of what focus is all about. What you're seeing is there, but it's just a little hazy. Well, and one benefit of using the camera app with voiceover is that if your fingers move in such a way that you switch from normal mode to portrait mode to panorama mode, it'll tell you you're doing that. But if you're not using voiceover, you can accidentally touch something and all of a sudden the camera's in some totally different mode. <laughs> Been there. Ah, right. Speaking of voiceover, you described how some of the new phones and new versions of iOS, the blind user can actually get a lot of feedback from the phone itself on what the picture is going to be about and aiming the camera, etc. Can you talk a little about those features? Yeah, there are accessibility features such as face detection, and it'll tell you one face, one small face, that probably means you're too far away, and or a face on the left edge. You, and you have to think about, oh, which, let's see if it's in the left edge, which way do I have to turn to get it more to the middle? And then the whole notion of, as a blind person, I'm thinking to take a picture of something, of course, I want to get it in the center. But apparently, you're also supposed to try and be a little artsy and, and not have everything in, in the very center. So I, in this book, I actually talk about the rule of thirds, which is a big deal in photography. So tell us about the rule of thirds since you brought that up, because that's counterintuitive to a person who can't see the picture. Well, it is, because as I said, I would think you would want to just get everything in the center, but it's not, not visually interesting. And, you know, we know that sighted people need to be interested. So uh, the rule of thirds is the idea that you have grid lines, one third of the way down, two thirds of the way down, one third of the way over and two thirds of the way over. So that makes nine, kind of like a tic-tac-toe board. It makes nine little sections. And then where those sections intersect are really important points in your picture. And you want to keep the major things in the picture at one of those points. And if you have a horizon, you want to try to keep the horizon at that, the bottom cross, the bottom third part. And there's a whole, I mean, there are whole books about using the rule of thirds. That must be a little bit more tricky because voiceover will tell you when your small face is centered, but not necessarily when it's at one of those magic points. No, but you can kind of interpolate from what it does tell you. It also has level indications, so it'll tell you tilt right, tilt left, level, and that's really helpful. That is. No one likes a tilted picture. <laughs> yes, that's true. And that was another concept that when I finally got hold of it made sense to me. I was also, when I first started taking pictures, I was also taking them all in portrait mode. It made sense to me. A phone was upright and that's how I took the pictures. But sighted people take most of their pictures in, in landscape. And I was trying to think, why do they do that? But then I realized they see in landscape. Vision is in landscape. It's not portrait. It's wider than, like television is landscape. You know, it's 16 by 9. It's Yes. And vision of landscape. And that's why sighted people prefer to have their... Sorry, Nancy, I don't mean to be disparaging sighted <laughs> people, but... No, you haven't said anything that I wouldn't agree with yet. 
so I, I, it was interesting to kind of figure out what the appeal of landscape mode was. I think, you know, we cited people prefer landscape mode just because we're used to it. You know, most photographs always have been wider than they are tall. Yeah. So what I say in the book is unless you have a compelling reason to do so, like you're taking a picture of the Eiffel Tower or something, then you want to take most of your pictures in landscape. So your book tells us why a blind person might want to use the camera. You talk about a lot of these aspects that a blind person may not know about that are important visually. You told us about the bazillions of controls in the camera app and the imaging app. What else does the book cover? Oh, another fun thing in the book. I found a really good way to practice and give myself feedback. In the Seeing AI app, it has a feature called Explore Photo. And you can take the picture and then if you go into Explore Photo, it will tell you how many objects are in the picture and it will name them if it can. And you can run your finger around the screen. So I was trying to think of what object is there in my house that makes sound that everybody would have in their house and that we could turn it on and then aim at it and then learn where all the things around it were in a, in a picture. And I suddenly thought of the kitchen sink. So we know you have a sink in your house. Yes. And most people probably do. So turn on the water in the kitchen sink, stand back, aim at it, take a picture, and then look at it and explore about it. And I learned a lot. It was amazing the difference being two feet back or being six feet back. You know, how much of the screen was taken up by the kitchen cabinet that's above the sink. And it was really fun. I learned a lot. And where the faucet, a tiny movement would move the faucet, you know, halfway across the screen. <laughs> that function of the Seeing AI app is really kind of cool where you can just move your finger around the picture and as your finger passes over an object, it'll announce what that object is, lamp, table, chair, and it really gives you a good idea of spatial location and size in the picture. It does, and it gives you an idea of the effect that you have on the picture by how much you move things. Well, and you used that feature of the Seeing AI app when we had recently moved and you wanted to know what was in the room. It was a lot easier than finding everything personally. Yes, yes. And it doesn't hurt as much when your finger runs into a table or a wall as it does when your head runs into one of those things. You should consider using it in this house so you can understand the geometry of all of those non-rectangular rooms we wound up with. That's next on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah, you've talked about using your camera apps quite a bit when you travel and you're in a new hotel room, for example. Oh, yes. I always take pictures of the thermostat. I even was playing with serious shortcuts. And I created a Siri shortcut that just says, ask Neil. And when I, when I tell my phone to ask Neil, it takes a picture of whatever is in front of it. It text messages that picture to Neil and also includes what city and state I'm in. Handy. He knows when he gets a picture of a uh, thermostat, <laughs> I'm asking him to describe it. <laughs> That's a useful shortcut. Yes. 
So the book tells us in detail how to use the hardware on our iOS devices and some of the apps. But you also talk in the book about a number of accessories that one might find helpful. Tell us a bit about that. The last chapter is about accessories. And I talk about tripods, which are wonderful tools to have to keep your phone still. And selfie sticks, which are for a lot more than taking selfies. They're really good if you want to get your camera into a place where you can't go, like something really high. Um, I give as an example in the book, I needed to uh, know about some things on the back of my receiver. So I used a selfie stick and held my phone over the back and took a picture and then sent it to somebody. That was very handy. And lenses and battery and waterproof cases and all the fun stuff. It is certainly a very comprehensive book. And although you may not have gotten any of your photographs into National Geographic, you've certainly found some good uses for them, shared them with people, and found some good utility for your own purposes. Yes, it's been great fun. So I encourage people to check out that book. It's very handy, and I've always been intimidated about using the camera on my iPhone, for example, but this uh, gave me some incentive to try it out with some of the tricks that Judy talks about, and we'll see how it goes. And as you said, bits are cheap, so you can try however many different approaches to taking a photograph that you want and just keep the ones that work. Oh, and you can be my sighted feedback. You won't even need a Siri shortcut for that. Hey, Nancy. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to get the book we've just been talking about and how to contact Judy Dixon directly. So if people are interested in finding this book, where would you send them? National Braille Press has it in the following formats. Braille, hard, hard copy Braille, a BRF file, DAISY text, and Word. And it's a two-volume Braille book, and it sells for $18. And remind us of the title of the book again. The title of the book is Capturing and Sharing the World, Taking Photos and Videos with an iPhone. And I'm sure most people who've gotten to this point in the show know how to reach the National Braille Press, but can you remind them? The website is www.nbp.org. And I take it your new book on labeling is also available there. It will be. It's not out yet. When's it coming out? Probably not till October. I just finished it. So if people want to reach you directly, separately from getting hold of your book, how would they do that? My email address is Judy, J-U-D-Y at Judy Dixon, J-U-D-Y-D-I-X-O-N dot net. And you can also find many of Judy's previous books at the National Braille Press website, and you'll find all of that contact information, as usual, in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 2041. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about becoming a chiropractor. After losing her vision in her mid-20s, Jackie Willette 
was forced to reassess her life and dreams. Shortly after going through a blindness rehabilitation program, she had a plan. We'll talk with her about how she coped with her vision loss, interned with another blind chiropractor, and went on to obtain a doctor of chiropractic degree. And she really has a great story about how she adjusted to losing her vision in her mid-20s. So I hope you'll join us for that episode to hear about it. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy, and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.